2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 14, and I'd like to speak to you this morning for a few moments on this thought of confidence, confidence through salvation, confidence through salvation. This is the words of the Apostle Paul, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We read in verse 14, and we'll read, um, I'll just read the passage today, and you can follow along, please. The Bible says, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. I think it's interesting that we sang, happiness is the Lord, and some of those lyrics uh, really are right here in this passage as well. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. That's a key thought there. How did God reconcile, how did a holy God reconcile sinful man like me to himself? It wasn't through the church. It wasn't through ordinances, it wasn't through baptism, it wasn't through the Lord's Supper. It was through His Son, Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him, he hath made him, God hath made Jesus, he hath made him to be sin for us, who Jesus knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. May God bless the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the meeting that we've experienced already throughout this morning. All of it has I, I pray has made you, has, has given you glory and the, the praising of, of you in song and testimony by our dear friend here today and all of it, Lord, and the guests that have joined with us today. We've prayed for them to come as we pray for guests to come every, every, every service. Um, we do pray, Lord, again, for those that are ill that might not be with us, that you'd raise them up, bring them back to us. Uh, but Lord, now as we have these moments in your word, I pray that we would not think too much about what's coming this afternoon or even this evening or even what happened last week, or what's supposed to happen this week, but we, we would keep our hearts and minds right here in this room, more importantly, right in your word. And Father, for that one, or that two, or three that don't know Christ as Savior, oh, I pray today would be the day of salvation. That new birth would happen today. And Lord, many of us as well, that may, we already have that decision made, Lord, there's things within this text that I pray your Holy Spirit would seal in our hearts as well, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm asking you a question, not necessarily for you to answer. It's kind of a question for you just to meditate on. And that is, where have you placed your confidence? Where have we placed our confidence? What am I confident? Who am I confident in? I think that can change as time goes on. I think as a child, I would say that my confidence was in my parents. I looked to them for everything. I mean, yes, my confidence was in the Lord, but I mean, as a child, I still 
was looking more to that parental people that were around me, and my confidence was in them. And you know, if if something kind of went awry, then you know it might it might um, jeopardize not jeopardize it might affect my confidence because uh, as a dad now uh, of of many years, I know that I made many mistakes, and so. It could be that even my dad would have said something that would have affected my confidence in him. And maybe you had a dad or a mom. I'm, I'm not trying to be critical of our parental upbringing. I'm just saying that our, our confidence changes throughout life. As we get older, maybe our confidence is in uh, a friend, a friendship. Uh, maybe then if God brings Mr. Right into our life or Mrs. Right into our life, maybe our confidence is in our spouse and these confidence levels are not necessarily bad, but it's not really where our top-level confidence should be because as you and I have flesh, we can, only, uh, be, we can only be truthful to a certain point in and of ourselves. And so I might do something that would affect my wife's confidence if she had her whole confidence in me. And if you had your whole confidence in me as a pastor and I you know, I, I failed, then your confidence would be greatly impacted by that. And I'm thankful that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can have a level of confidence in, but uh, it cannot be our ultimate level of confidence and faith can never be in someone uh, that is a sinner saved by grace. And so I, I want us to think about that because I believe we're living in a day where the promises of God are at an all-time high for you as a believer and me as a believer. We're living in a day where um, people need to know uh, as believers what these promises of God are, and even unbelievers who don't recognize uh, maybe God in their life need to know these promises are, are, are as well. I would say another word as we think about this word of confidence and who our confidence is placed in. I think of this word, and that's the word uncertainty, uncertainty. I think that's exactly where many people are living right now. Over the last month, uh, over the last three weeks, I have had, about three weeks ago, I'm not going to give names, but I had someone call me. I think I might have mentioned this. If not, forgive me, but I'm mentioning it now. Uh, I had had someone call me. A mother called me concerned about her daughter. She got our number because we have an RU um, chapter here. Friday nights at 7, by the way, if you'd like to visit sometime, and everybody's welcome to come. And I look forward to the day when I can get back there, too. I miss being there. And anyway, her daughter is living on the streets and has been for numbers of years, and there's a granddaughter involved, and she's rearing the granddaughter, and she loves the Lord. This mother loves the Lord, and very burdened. Uh, but uh, uh, uncertainty even in her life of where her daughter is. Is she alive? Is she safe? And that was why she reached out because what can we do? How can you help? Is there anything you can do? And she called me back a few days later and said, do you use Facebook? And I said, I do. I use it often. And she said, well, apparently my daughter has Facebook Messenger. Do you know anything about that? I said, yes, I do. And she said, well, I'll give you her full name if you'd be willing to contact her. I don't know anything about Facebook, she said. I said, that's okay. And uh, so anyway, long story short, I messaged her as soon as I, got, I prayed. I said, I'm going to pray about it. I messaged her, and you know what? Before the day was out, the daughter replied to my message. And that gave us some certainty that she was at least alive. 
and there's been some back and forth communication over the last couple of weeks and pray that we can, my wife and I can meet this girl, this young lady, I don't know how old she is, maybe she's in her 20s or 30s, I don't know, but there's some clothing and there's some boots, there's some warm things that the mom wants to give her. And would you please pray with me specifically that uh, this young lady would allow my wife and I to meet her somewhere. I don't even know where she lives or or where her shelter is or anything. The overwhelming emotion felt by people today is uncertainty. Economy, politics, jobs, terrorism, wars. We know in the Bible these are going to intensify, but we have a Bible. We have the Holy Spirit. The lost don't have that. I'm not saying that to make them to think that the lost are any less important. They are very important. It's, it's what we read about in our text today. Yet even as uncertainty, uncertainty fills the air, the good news is, as a child of God, we can have confidence. So we come back to that word. My confidence is not in uh, the stock market. My confidence is not in my retirement. My confidence is not even in my health. My confidence is in the creator God who's provided a way for me to have confidence no matter what's happening around me. And you know, when things are stripped away from us, it shows us just where is our confidence? Who is our confidence really in? When a relationship breaks, where is our confidence? When something comes our way that we didn't ask for, where is our confidence? And I'm, I'm truly blessed to read this text to you this morning, and I'm truly blessed that regardless of the uncertainty, as a believer, you can have confidence. God's people can live with confidence. But I ask you another question. Okay, don't answer it out loud, but think about it if you would. Are you part of God's family? Are you part of God's family? Now, we are not born into God's family by physical birth. We know all of us here today were born physically, okay? I'm just the doctor here telling you that, right? And so, but that didn't make me a part of God's family just because I was born June 28th, 1973. But so there's an opportunity for us to see today, how do we get into God's family and have that confidence through salvation? Look at verse one of the chapter that we read just a moment ago. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 5, 1, and says, for we know For we know that if our earthly house, anybody know what an earthly house he's talking about right there? Your body, that's right. He's talking about your body. He's not talking about your apartment, your condo, whatever you live in. He's talking about you. For if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, what's that mean? Dissolved. It means death, right? So if our body dies, he says we know. I like the word no, don't you? It's because there's certainty there. There's confidence, excuse me, and certainty both, same synonym, same. 
He says, for we know that if our early house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have. He did not say we might have. He did not say we could have. He said we have. We have a building of God. Notice it's not a house anymore. And now it's a building of God. It's not a, it's not dissolved. It's not earthly, excuse me. It's not earthly. So right now I'm living in an earthly uh, tabernacle. And Paul says, we know that if this tabernacle be dissolved, so we know as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as someone who has turned their life over to God and said, I need Jesus to be my savior. I'm not worthy of that, but I need his salvation. And we'll talk about it here in a minute. He says, we know something. He says, we know that when we take our last breath on this earth, we know that we have a building of God waiting on us. Hallelujah for that. He says that in a house not made with hands. And he says eternal. A lot of key words in that one verse. Oh my, a lot of key words in that one verse. Eternal in the heavens. This is not eternal. We, figure, we, we find that out as days go by. We discover that more and more, don't we? It's not eternal. And I'm telling you right now, I'm thankful for that. Hallelujah. This thing's going to uh, you know, one day we're going to drop this robe of flesh and we're going to rise and, and be with the Lord forever. And we're going to have a building of God not made with hands. I'm thankful for that. I am confident in that, not because I'm a good man and not because I'm a pastor and not because of anything. And I have a suit on or whatever. I'm confident in that because of the message Paul talks about here. So there's nothing like stability and spiritual confidence, not cockiness confidence and the confidence is not in me it's not in you but it's in christ today let's hear paul's own testimony of how he entered this relationship which became his ultimate foundation for living so number one we see the miracle the mirror i got a, i got a nursery list up here with me too how about that so let me give you that otherwise that's gonna yeah that way I, in case i'm in the schedule i guess maybe they were going to add me to the schedule this month <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, ladies, by the way. I should say something. That's a good reminder to say something publicly to all the ladies that serve in the nursery. Uh, just that's, thank you for doing that. And praise the Lord. Number one, the miracle of salvation. The miracle of salvation. We see that in verse 14, which says that the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not live unto themselves, but live unto, that, uh, live unto uh, the one who died for them and rose again. The Lord Jesus Christ. The miracle of salvation. We see that in verse 15, the Bible says, we just read it a moment ago, but it tells us that the guilty world became innocent the guilty world became innocent how were we guilty well let's take a look let's do a little look see here in our bibles because the bible is the life-changing book let's go back to romans 5 and verse number 12 the guilty world is declared innocent this is this is a truth that you're going to want to have settled in your heart if you don't have it settled, you can settle it today. So meditate on that because you don't know what you have for tomorrow. 
Look what it says, please, in chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon how many men? All men, for that all have sinned. So this morning, we are all guilty in our sin. The world died spiritually in Adam. If you want to jot down this reference, if you take notes, uh, the, the reference is, in fact, let's just read it together, but write it down if you do, all the way back to in the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, quickly. When I get there, I'm going to read, so I might get there before you, but Genesis 2, 17 says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You can, you can really make a note after thou shalt surely die, and you could make a note and say, turn to Romans 5.12. Because that's exactly what happened when you and I sinned, uh, when we were born, we were born with the nature, but when Adam sinned, that nature was then given to all mankind. And the Bible says here from our, from our text that one man, sin entered into the world. And so that sin came from Adam, and it came to you, and it came to me. So thus, in Adam, all of us died. The Bible said there in Genesis 2.17, thou shalt surely die. And so, because of that, the day I was born, I was immediately born spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. I, I, I am a sinner by birth. I am a sinner by choice. You are a sinner by birth. You are a sinner by choice. And we, we see that in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. Yet, we find great confidence and encouragement as we go back to our text. And we find that the second Adam, the second Adam, the second Adam is the Lord Jesus Christ. What did the Lord Jesus Christ do? We read it earlier, but let's look at it again. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14, the second half of the verse says, because, if you're there, I'm reading at the word because, because we thus judge that if one, one died for all, then we're all dead. One died for all. So Jesus Christ, God's son, the second Adam, if you will, went to the cross, died for your sin and mine. He could do that because he was sinless. He could do that because he was the son of God. So one, the savior, died for all. So salvation is a miracle because every guilty sinner, two hands are up for that. And if I put my feet up, I could. But anyway, we'll just leave that for next time. <laughs> every guilty sinner can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That includes you. That includes me. That includes whoever you think is the guiltiest sinner of all time, whoever that might be. I don't know who it might be. But it doesn't matter because one died for all, and all can come to Christ, so we can be innocent. So secondly, uh, about this miracle of salvation, we have been reconciled. We talked about it earlier. We have been reconciled to God. This is explained in verses 18 and 19. I won't reread them for time's sake, but what does this mean? This reconciliation, it, it involves not just getting saved, 
but it involves a new life. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. The things I used to smoke, I don't smoke them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Reconciliation. It's about a new life in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The death and resurrection of Christ reconciled the world to God, not God to the world. That's, a, that's really something that we should think about and meditate on. Because when we get saved, we should not, over time, we should look less and sound less and walk less and talk less and less like the world. Because we've been reconciled out of that to God. Here's the thing. God never moved. God has always been holy. God has always been uh, always good. He's always been right. I've always been, I was always the opposite end. But when God saved me, he said, Ben, I'm bringing you up to me. He said, Becky, I'm bringing you up to me. I'm not coming down to you. And you, you can, we can live like the world. No, the, the idea and thinking about it is, yes, Jesus came down, but the, but, the, but the second half of that is God was still holy and just. And so now that we have been made new in Christ, we have an opportunity to live like we've never lived before. And it's a life of victory, and it's a life of real joy like we sang about earlier. Let's take our Bibles quickly and turn back toward the end of the Bible to the, to the epistle of Colossians. Oh, we have been reconciled to a holy God. What a blessing that is. In the book of Colossians, in chapter number 1, we read there that God's word says in verse number 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now, yet now hath he reconciled. Christ became our sin offering. Christ became uh, uh, sin for me. Christ felt the shame. Christ felt the pain. The, the prophet Isaiah wrote it so well under the inspiration of the Spirit of God in chapter 53 and verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, he hath carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our, our, our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace, to have peace, was on him. And with his stripes we are healed. The miracle, the miracle of God, the miracle of salvation. It's available to us. It's available to you. Number two. And we'll continue on this thought of this new creature. We have the, the manifestation of salvation. How does it manifest itself? We go back to our text. We find in verse 17, I kind of I was getting ahead to point two at the end of point one. You know how that happens sometimes. But here we have the manifestation of it. In other words, 
That word means, how is it made known that I'm saved? How is it made known that you're saved? You know, what we could do is we could buy uh, uh, some poster board, and we could, and it's fine if you want to do that, not a problem. And we could buy poster board, and we could write on that poster board, my name is Ben Turner, and I am a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, and uh, uh, pray for me, or whatever. You could just put it on a poster board, and you could just carry it everywhere you go. You can do that. That's not a problem. I've seen people do that, write verses on it. I'm not criticizing it. I'm saying that's one way you can do it, okay? And, but I don't know maybe if that's the only way we should do it. I don't know too many of you that probably would want to do that. I don't even know that I would want to do that for a long-term thing, maybe for a short term. But, but here's what it says in verse 17. It's a verse that we quote almost maybe many Sundays. Uh, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The new creature there is in reference to the new man. And Ephesians, Paul writes it this way in chapter 4 and verse 24. It says, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So how is the manifestation of salvation? How does someone really know? Well, one way that people know that we are saved is when we, go to, when we follow the Lord in believer's baptism. That's one way, because we are declaring publicly that we have accepted Christ's gift of salvation, and we follow the Lord in believer's baptism. We identify with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's one way, but that happens in, in a moment, and then it's done. It's good, and it should be done. If, you, if you're saved, but you've never been baptized, that's the next step. That's one way that you can manifest your salvation. However, the, the Bible says here that if we are in Christ, so if we have uh, been saved, if we've been born again, if we've been made alive, then the Bible says here that we are no longer like we used to be. We're not old anymore. Praise the Lord. We are born again. We are a new creation creature, brand new. All the old things become, should become no longer. They should become, they should be passing away. And then all things that are, behold, all things that are become new. Probably before you became a Christian, there was little desire. And again, I'm not, I, I do say probably, but there was little desire to read the Bible. Because you don't have the, why would, why would somebody want to read the Bible? Now, many people read the Bible because they're searching, and we encourage people to do that here, obviously, because God's word will, will get right to the heart of the matter way better than your words or mine. But I'm just saying, for the most part, until we got saved, there wasn't a hunger. And when you get saved, there immediately there will be a hunger uh, because now your spirit is alive and your spirit needs food. And so I'm not saying this morning that you haven't read your Bible for a week, you're not saved. But I would say this, if there's not something that is in you that says, I need the Bible, I need to be in this book, I need this book to be in me, then what I'm, I would like you, I'd encourage you to do is examine your salvation. Because that's one sure way to know that you're saved is that you have a hunger and a desire to read the word of God and to know God in a greater way. Why? That's new. Why is that new? Because you have the Holy Spirit living in you now. And the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
Again, I'm not saying that you sit down and read the whole Bible in one day, but I'm saying that, you know what, if, if, I, if I haven't had any food for a few days, I'll tell you what, I'm going to want to find some food. I'm going to have to eat. I'm hungry. It doesn't take a few days, by the way, for me. It only takes a few hours. Spiritually speaking, though, how's your hunger for the Word of God? Old things are passed away. Some of the things we used to read before we got saved probably need to be burned. Not given away to Value Village. <laughs> Don't let somebody else read them. They need to be burned. And so why? Because they're not pleasing to Christ. They're not edifying to me. And so there's that inside of me that, that the Holy Spirit says, Ben, you got to get, get in the Bible. Not because you're preaching on Sunday, but because you need food. And so that's one thing. A new creation or a new man desires to have no allegiance to sin. No longer. I don't want to be a, have an allegiance to sin. In other words, sin now really bothers me. Does it bother you? I'm not talking about your wife's sin. I'm talking about your sin. I'm not talking about the neighbor's sin or the coworker's sin. I'm talking about your sin. Because quite possibly the neighbor or coworker don't know the Lord. If you're saved, you're a new creation. So something should happen inside of you in your sin, when, you're, when you sin. Something should say, hey, whoa, whoa. You know, like sirens are going off. That's not pleasing to the Lord. And you know what that is? That's an indication. That is a manifestation. That God, by the way, that's a good thing. The Bible calls it chastening. And God does chasten us. God does correct us with the greatest love, by the way. And so I'm thankful for that. The new creation or the new man, how does it manifest itself? Here's another way that it manifests itself. It manifests itself or it is revealed in our life by a desire to serve God. To serve God. Faith without works is it's dead. Are we saved by faith or by works? We're saved by faith. We're not saved by works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. However, when I come to know Christ and I know that he took hell for me. Think about it. Think about it. What we talked about here, he took the death that I deserved. He took the hell that I deserved. He took the uh, uh, shame that I deserved. He, he, took all, he took all of that on him on the cross. I don't have to bear any of that burden on me. I don't have to think for one iota that when this tabernacle dissolves that I'm going to experience any of the wrath of God. I will not. And if you're with Christ, you will not either. What is the least that we can do? And it's not the least. It's a privilege. It's an honor. And so the manifestation of salvation, the manifestation of salvation another way is, God, how can I serve you? God, how can I serve you today? God, how can I serve you this week? God, how can I serve you in this earthly tabernacle that is dissolving, but yet I want to serve you? That is a manifestation of salvation. It's a way that it comes out in us. And by the way, we don't serve him all the same way. Be glad for that. We are not cookie-cutter Christians. 
okay, you're just going to take that cookie cutter. Here's another one. Put them on the sheet. Put them in the oven. They come out. They all look the same with the same cookie cutter, right? No, God has created you in his image, all of us in his image, but he's given you special gifts, spiritual gifts if you're saved, and uh, he's given us ways that we can serve him. And the question I have for you today, uh, if, you are, uh, if you are saved and you know Christ as Savior, how are you serving him? Find a way to serve God. There's no greater, and by the way, no one has to know about it. Sometimes no one will know about it. You're serving God in your prayer closet, praying for the people of the church and our missionaries. You're serving God in in an obscure way, whatever. It's not, no, I mean, you're not sitting up here preaching. You're not seven men preaching tonight. I'm not saying that's not important. It is important. But I'm saying, don't look at somebody else and say, I can't serve God that way. You can serve God in the, whatever the way that God has enabled you. And if you want help and we want to, you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. But a manifestation of our salvation is not just sitting in a chair and taking Taking it in and taking it in and taking it in and taking it in. It's squeezing it out. You are a sponge taking it in to give it out. You're not a sponge taking it in to take it in to take it in to take it in. Because once you finish taking it in and your sponge is full, you know what a sponge full of water is worth. Nothing. It's got to be wrung out. And so when you come, and and this is our Bible reading, I'm not talking about just listening to the preaching, I'm talking about your Bible reading and everything. Be looking for something that you can give to someone else. The manifestation of of salvation, one of them is, God, I want to serve you. I may not go to this place, but I want to serve you. Today, in Burnaby, in New West, in Surrey, in Vancouver, at work, on the SkyTrain, be looking for ways we can serve God. Oh, it's so, and I'm praying about the theme. I just about have the theme nailed down for next year. And um, it's not serving God, but anyway. Uh, but my, my, my burden for Anchor Baptist Church, especially right now, and maybe it should have been this way, and it's always been this way, is that we have a church filled with servants. We have a lot of servants, and I'm grateful for that. To God be the glory. But I'm praying that all of us who claim the name of Christ would not just sit, soak, and sour, but we would serve. By the way, if you don't serve, you will sour. A lot of times, and I'm just going to be blunt here, a lot of times some of the sourest people aren't doing anything. Okay, I said it. All right, let's move on. If if you are in Christ, you can have confidence. Here's the confidence. I have a new nature. That new nature was given for me not uh, not just to have fire insurance. That new nature was given to me to serve God. That new nature was given for me so people could see Christ in me, not Ben Turner, not Jose Cabrera, me, me, Christ in me. That's why he was giving me that new nature. And as we serve him, as we say, in a, we're, we just humble ourselves before God, who are we? We're just sinners. I mean, who are we to name the name of Christ? I'm not worthy of that, but God is worthy. And what he gave for me, I can, in my simple way, try to give back to him. Let's get passionate about that. The new creation has no allegiance to sin and is anxious to serve God. Maybe it's eager. Maybe anxious is not the right word there. Anyway, I always forget forget which one of those words is the right one. Back to English. Here we go. You see, the flesh, though, is fighting. The flesh is fighting the new 
creation. The flesh says, you can't serve God. You're shy. You can't serve God. That's a bunch of baloney. I like baloney, but anyway. You can't serve God. Look what you did 20 years ago. You can't serve God. Liar, liar. You can't do anything for God because of this. Get thee behind me, Satan. You can't serve God because, you know, just fill in the blank. Satan's got a list a mile long for each of us. He uses them on me all the time. Every week. You, yes, yes, me. (laughs) He's firing them at me. They're fiery darts. You can't serve God because of this. You can't serve God because of that. That's when I go to the word of God, claim his promise. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is. And old things are passed away. And all things are become new. This isn't about me. This is about Christ in you. And Christ in me, the hope of glory. Galatians 5.17 is the verse that talks about that. We won't turn there. But you can have confidence today that you have a new nature. And and as we go to the last point, number three, the ministry. The ministry. So the miracle of the salvation We have the manifestation or how it's made known, but then we have the miracle, uh, no, the ministry, sorry, of the saved. God has given to us, it says in verse 18, the ministry of reconciliation. God has told us to be ambassadors in verse number 20. The word ambassador, according to the Webster Dictionary, says that it is a, a minister of the highest rank assigned to a foreign country. Paul writes and says, now then we are ambassadors. When the devil says, you can't do whatever for God, you can just tell the devil, you know what, devil, the Bible says here, I'm an ambassador for Christ. Period. Exclamation point. Because you are. We are. We are ambassadors. We are ministers of the highest rank assigned to a foreign country. What is that foreign country? Earth. (laughs) This is a foreign country. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this foreign country anymore. This is a foreign country. We're not here forever. I have one major citizenship, and it's not United States of America. You have one major citizenship, and it's not the one you have. Maybe some of you have more than one here on this, uh, on this uh, foreign planet that we live in. Mine is in heaven. I'm an ambassador from heaven for Christ. And if you're saved, you're an ambassador for he- of he- from heaven for Christ. Christian, we are assigned to this country by the king of kings. We are assigned to this, your neighborhood by the king of kings. You are assigned to your, uh, uh, your employment by the king of kings. Uh, we are assigned to this community by the king of kings. We are ambassadors of, on Wedgwood Street. We are ambassadors on Hospital Street. We are ambassadors everywhere we go. So share the good news of the world of the word of reconciliation how someone as hard at least on the outside 
as we heard about earlier, can be reconciled to a holy God. As someone who we might say is, who, who are in conflict even now in the Middle East, Palestine and Israel there, and all of that, and all of that that went on there, might we be praying for the peace there? But this reconciliation is not only for a select few. This reconciliation is for anyone who will say, I need it. And that's the greatest place that people need to come to, that they know they need it. I'm so thankful that I realized in my life I needed to be reconciled to God. There's no way that could happen apart from Jesus Christ. No way. And I'm also thankful that he allows us to tell others of this ministry of reconciliation. Normally, when a government sends an ambassador to another government, it means that they are on friendly terms. Often, when we revoke our ambassador, when an ambassador, Excuse me, when, when an ambassador is revoked, it might mean that a form of judgment of some kind is coming. And obviously things are not on speaking terms anymore. And out they go. Currently, the Lord is on friendly terms with this world. Allow me to finish the statement. But there's coming a day soon very soon, I believe, quite frankly, where all the ambassadors, think of this, where all the ambassadors will be removed. Yes, I know there's 144,000 Jewish witnesses, and that's for another day, but we're going to be, we're going to be out of here. We're going to be raptured. Who's we? The ambassadors. And when the ambassadors are removed, it usually says that there's a form of judgment coming. And I believe that when we are removed, that seven-year judgment will begin. So what must we be doing? We must be doing the job of an ambassador while we can. That is the ministry that you and I have. Now, when we go with the gospel, our confidence is not in a plan, not in the Romans' road, not in our, our eloquent speech, but our confidence always is in the precious word of God. We live in uncertain times, but as, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, he has saved us with and for a purpose. And that purpose is to take this body that is dissolving and use it. Because once it's dissolved, we don't get to do it again. Every day is a gift from God. Every day I have confidence that God is good. Oh, it's, it, that confidence is shaken at times, isn't it? Anybody else have your confidence shaken before? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
That was a 7.0 shaker right there on the confidence level. Didn't see that one coming, you know, what we heard earlier. Didn't see that one coming, you know. I mean, that's, talk about a shakeup. You got 24 hours to be on a plane. Go. That's a shakeup. But God is always with us. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And that's there for the shakeups, and it's there for the, the calm times when those are there. But it's not there just so we can sit on it and say, yeah, okay, God helped me. No, so we can get out into the harvest field. Praise the Lord that we can have confidence in our God.